Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. And instead it goes to Bailey! Scores! Welcome villains and gather round for this week's instalment of Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. It was slings and arrows at Villa Park this weekend as Villa chopped down Forest, but how close were Nuno's men from robbing all the riches? We'll get our teeth into another Villa win and look ahead to a tricky trip to Luton Town. I'm your host Andy and joining me for the second week in a row, it's Daniel Bettridge, welcome, welcome back, Dan. Thanks, Andy. A cracking intro there. Enjoyed it. I'm kind of the merry men that we are will dissect uh, a world in which uh, Chambers is a potential starting centre back for a top four time. What a time! Yeah. What, what a time to be alive when when Callum Chambers is a Champions League centre back. Absolutely, it's potential, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm sure no one else has ever made the Nottingham Forest. Uh, Robin Hood's connection before, so I thought I'd, I thought I'd go for that. But uh, yeah, I'm glad you liked it anyway. But uh, I, I was going to put this this first bit at the end, um, but we might as well talk about it. I think chronological order is is the best order at times. So um, we'll talk about the the Conference League draw, which um, happened on Friday last week, and Aston Villa drew Dutch giants at Ajax. Um, which was almost predictable. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of thought that when I saw they were in it, I thought it's going to be Ajax. Um, but we're away on the on the seventh of March, which is obviously coming up really quick next week, and and a home home ties a, a week later. Um, and of course, it brings back memories of of that that famous uh, match um, under Martin, Martin O'Neill at Villa Park, where Villa ran out two one winners um, against Ajax. What was it, two thousand and nine, something along those lines? Oh, maybe even earlier than that. How did yeah, one from the memory? Possibly banks? around that time. Um, it's obviously amazing, really, to see Ajax at this this level of European competition. They're usually in the uh, in the Champions League so many times in the latter stages, and obviously have won the the tournament before as well. Um, but it feels like we've been waiting for this tie. Well. Since that night, all those years ago, that was the last great Villa Park European night, wasn't it? Um, and you know, even though it's it, it, it's the Conference League, it kind of feels like it might grab the imagination and might grab a bit of tr- traction amongst the neutrals and the and the national media as well, probably. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's probably well, not the best draw in terms of ease of of getting through to the next round, but definitely the the best draw from an excitement perspective. It's what, two sleeping giants, two European Cup winners. It's uh, it's going to be a great night under the lights. And I, I mean, this Ajax team are not not one of the great Ajax teams. They're a long way from it. But but as you say, it really evokes the memory of that 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 last tie with Ajax, which is one of my favourite nights as a Villa fan. It just just felt great. Was that the John Carew night where John Carew was benched because he'd had uh, he'd had some misadventures the evening before? Was it that one? I really can't remember. I really don't remember the the whole context of it. I just remember, obviously, I, I wasn't at the game. I was I wasn't living in Birmingham at the time, and I was I was um, watching it on the telly, obviously. And the atmosphere just looked absolutely incredible, you know, re- really. And I've you know I've experienced that European night at Villa Park, you know, to some extent previously. Certainly, thinking back to the. Atletico Madrid um, tie in the in the nineties, in I think ninety seven, um, when Stan Collymore scored, mm. and but we lost the tie unfortunately that that night. But this the Ajax one was probably like I say the the last time we had one of those really big 
um, superpowers at, at, at Villa Park, wasn't it, for a, for a competitive game at least. Um, and there's something about a Martin Larson, a towering Martin Larson header, isn't there, which was just absolutely um, superb, wasn't it, on the night? Re- really, really great. And epitomised that Villa team. Oh, I loved Martin Larson. He was one of my favourite Villa players. And, and you know, I mean, you look back through, I was I was sharing it on our group chat in the week, the, the Villa 11 that, that started against Ajax that night. And it's not, it's not a bad team, actually. You go through it. And then you notice Nicky Shorey's at left back and, and your mind spins that there was a world when Nicky Shorey was really starting left back in, in European competition. But th- there's a really nice symmetry, I think, between us. That was the last time it felt like Villa were, were really going places. It was kind of the dawn of a new age. We were progressing in Europe. We were knocking, knocking on the door of the top four. And it's taken 20-some-odd years for us to, or whatever it is, to get back there. Um, so it feels like nice symmetry. Just hopefully this time we don't don't rest all our players in Europe, bottle that competition, and then finish outside the Champions League places. But but Unai Emery is a very different beast to Martin O'Neill. So so I've got a lot more hope mm. this time round. Yeah, I don't think it'd be Emery's style, but there's, there is a lot to be said, and I've heard some discussions on various podcasts today about. You know whether Villa might um, would it be better for Villa to almost forfeit this this competition to to have a proper charge at the Champions League? But I just don't I just don't feel like you can make that choice. I think you can, you know, you end up with nothing if you if you start picking and choosing like that. And and quite rightly, I think you you try and win every game that that you're in. And if you if you do that, then you're more likely to to end up doing well in in everything really so um absolutely have to go for the silverware and the top four in my opinion well, yeah and i mean i say the martin o'neill time is we did that and it it torpedoed our league form and we didn't do well in europe and it also in this case because of the the way the coefficients go in and and if if british teams pro or english teams progress then fifth place becomes a champions league possibility then by almost forfeiting the, the conference league we're damaging our champions league chances like possibly ironically one of our best chances of qualifying for the champions league is winning the conference league and and ensuring that that coefficient goes up and fifth place becomes a, a viable champions league group so i'm with you i don't think you can throw a game at this point i mean we don't have the squad depth to throw a game at this no. point either and and emery doesn't like that he likes games the more games the better he's that kind of manager so um yeah, it's going to be a great night. It's it's a welcome distraction from the league for me as well because I've I don't know about you. I've started to get a little bit tense with the league and results actually <laughs> matter at this time of the season and 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 the free swing that is the Conference League will be will be pleasant again and and finally give me something to do on a Thursday evening. Yeah, definitely. I think I think that's absolutely true, and I think that's how they have to see it. Incidentally, it wasn't any kind of villa. Uh, fan or media person who was making the comment about maybe it'd be better if Villa weren't in the Conference League. I haven't heard any Villa fans suggest that, but um, yeah, it was a uh, it was someone I can't remember who it was now. Someone on one of the uh, national podcasts. What do they know? Football Weekly. Well, they don't. They don't know anything, do they? They took they took the same rubbish every week. You know? <laughs> yeah, we, you wouldn't catch us doing that, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But um, yeah, we, we, you know, we'll we'll see. Obviously, look forward to that game ne- next week, the the first leg, and you know, I think it's a five five forty five kickoff um, in the UK. So uh, yeah, quickly home from work and uh, in front of the telly for that one. I think. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously move on to the onto the the Forest game at the weekend. Um, same team, I think the, the team absolutely picked itself. I think we've we've been here sort of around this time last season, haven't we? Where we just didn't have the the options to to do anything really. So so Pau Torres started again um, at centre back, but of course he was uh, he was replaced at half time by the aforementioned Callum Chambers. Apparently, um, a slight knock, a slight concern, but more of a precaution substitution than anything else. And obviously, we'll be we'll be waiting waiting for news all week. They'll probably let us know on on Friday at the 
next press conference when it, you know what's what the what the story is with with Pau Torres. Um, but I would just obviously talk a bit about about Callum Chambers because he, he you know he did he did come in. It was his first appearance in the league this season. His 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 last game I think was against Legia Warsaw when he was he played right back and he was you know it, was, it wasn't a good night for him. Uh, by any means, um, because he was told he could leave the club in January, um, and in, you know he, he had a couple of moves lined up and decided not to take them, which is obviously his his prerogative. Um, he received a, a positive welcome from the fans, and I think generally slotted in pretty well. But with the way things are going, um, maybe it's a good thing he did turn down West Brom and Hull. I can't even imagine who'd be in there if he, if he didn't. I mean, we're on our sixth choice centre back now, which is just unfathomable for me. And I must admit, I was I was terrified when when I saw I was I was kind of watching the game via Soccer Saturday, and when I saw the substitution at half time, I was I was just rubbing my eyes in disbelief that Emery had had to go to that glass box we talked about last week and and break the emergency Callum Chambers out of it, but. <laughs> I mean, fair play to Chambers. He actually didn't play too too badly. He wasn't at fault for the for the second Forest goal, and and from what I saw, acquitted himself okay. I'm not sure I'd want Callum Chambers starting the next twelve games that Aston Villa have got in in what might be the biggest season in many a year. But I mean, this is why you have a deep squad, I guess, because at some point in the season you'll have three. ACL injuries, another few players out randomly, and and you're down to the absolute dregs. But it turns out even our dregs can get it done against a team that that probably has more players than they know what to do with. But how was the feeling in the ground, Andy? Because it was, I was it. I was so buoyant after that first half, kind of as say watching on from home, and then it felt my my world imploded with one substitution. Yeah, it was, I suppose a bit, a little bit nervous, but I think. We we were in a good position at the time, weren't we? We were three one up um, when he came on, and you just felt that you know you have to remember. I think I think it's easy to it's easy to forget that you know the these players do know what they're doing. You know they are going to training every day. They're working with the manager. You know they're ready to play, and if they weren't ready to play, they wouldn't be in a position where they might be. In, might be used on sitting on the bench. So clearly Emery has some faith in Chambers. He doesn't sort of fancy him as a as a, a realistic option when everyone's fit and well, but that doesn't mean he thinks he's a bad player and you know and can't do do a job if called upon. And you know, I think it, it you know it I guess it it might have been easy to go to sort of you know, give Torres a couple of painkillers and strap his leg up a bit and send him out for for ten minutes to see how he did. You know, but they felt that it wasn't worth the risk, and the fact they had someone there who could who could go on and do a job uh, meant they, you know, they didn't they didn't feel compelled to do that. And I think that that says it all, really. I think he was he was obviously, um, you know, he's he's trusted. He's worked with Emery before, hasn't he? And you know, I think I think it's just a case of he's not quite up to the level of the others, and he's perhaps not quite, um, you know, tuned in as as well to to do what the other guys do week week in week out. You know, I think that's fair, and I, I, it's interesting actually taking Torres off as a precaution, and and as you say, it looks like it it was a precaution. They they said it was kind of hamstring pain, but not an injury. And we saw a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it, when when Roy Hodgson's Palace were away at Brighton and were being thumped at half-time, brought on uh, Elise, who's one of their star players, kind of wasn't quite ready to come back from injury and popped his hamstring all over again. So I, I actually really like that Emery took Torres off. And a lot easier when you're winning the game 3-1 at half-time. But mm. it was the smart move, because however the game against Forest turned out, it wasn't going to define our season. But... But losing Torres for the season probably would define our season, as as we've seen our form without him in the team. So, so I'm pleased he did it. And on Chambers, I mean, 
This is an absurd injury run we're on, but a few teams have done it this year. I mean, United had Johnny Evans playing for them at one point. That's how bad their centre-back problems got. So it's been a bizarre season for injuries. And and I think that's the kind of interesting thing is is Emery likes to work with a small squad. But but as you say, if if Callum Chambers had had left during January, then we'd be in a proper pickle right now. So... um, it, things have worked out for the better. Hopefully Torres will be back and, and Chambers will be firmly ensconced back on the bench at the weekend. And, and Consor and Carlos can't be that far behind him. So it, it might be a short-lived spell in the side. But as you say, this is why you have players like that. And, and let's not forget, he's got four England caps. So he knows what he's doing. So, well, in theory, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I think I think he's, he, he's, he's, he's a very decent player. He, he, he knows... You know, he he knows what he's, and I, and I would say the the games he's had where he hasn't looked quite quite up to scratch, he was playing at right back. Yeah. You know, which which isn't necessarily his his best position anymore. Um, I know he came through as a fullback at Southampton, but he's a centre back. You know, and I think I think um, you got to judge if you're going to judge players, judge them in there. In their proper position, you know, and 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 you know, he 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 did fine. Yeah, he did fine. Whether he'd be shown up a little bit, sort of, if he had a few weeks in in the side, then then who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, he did he did he did okay on the day. Um, I liked actually on on the injuries. I liked what Emery said after the game that essentially that you know, as tempting as it is to 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 make injuries an excuse that they're absolutely not and you know you just have to 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 use your squad and find a way to win and he absolutely does that i mean that's what that's that's his major strength isn't it how do we get this group of players into a a coherent setup that can win a football match um and maybe have to change it all again next week, you know, and that that's kind of what he does. And if you're going to work with a small squad, if that's your choice, then you can't complain when you get a few injuries and you can't pick who you want. It's true. We were saying last week, weren't we? That I, mean, I reckon it's a part of Emery that enjoys these kind of challenges. He likes to work his way out of them. And I, I, I just love that he says the right thing, doesn't he? In every press conference, he, he does. He's, he's polite. He does that thing where he rubs his ears while he's thinking, and and then he just <laughs> says the right thing. And it's I love it. It, it. I don't know if he pre-plans this or if he, that's just the man. But you know, it, it's refreshing to have a manager not blaming injuries, especially when he could absolutely blame injuries and and pump his tires even more and make it even because it is impressive that Villa are performing this well given the injury list we've got. I mean, I joked at the top of the show, but I can't imagine many clubs with their sixth-choice centre-back like being in the Champions League places. It, it's just laughable. So, yeah, I, I love Emery. Just, whether it's the tactical stuff on the pitch or just the smart kind of man off of it, it's what a season we're having. And I was joking with you before we started recording, we're now coming into the time where where he goes on his end of season unbeaten run, so so surely the title is now within reach, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. If he, if he can do anything like he did last season in terms of accumulating points, then we are still in the race. You know, it's uh, you know, like we say, we're, we're coming at it from fourth place rather than seventeenth or whatever it was last season. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's it's nice. It, it is good to have. That feeling that the that the manager has that integrity as well. It can be a little bit embarrassing, kind of listening to some of the top managers, yeah. you know, and some of the things they say and the how chippy they get about things. And um, you know, it, I just, I just, I just really like you know that he has. He seems to exude respect, and you know, I really hope on that level that if it ever comes to a, a point, hopefully a long way down the line, where he does lose things a little bit and things go off the boil, that Villa fans remember, you know, this and, you know, he isn't kind of hounded out like some managers are, you know, you know, you think about how how perhaps David Moyes is thought of amongst the West Ham fans, having, you know, given them more success than they've had you know, in decades, you know, so it's, 
I hope that's the case, but you know, we, we don't need to, t- to dwell too much on, on how well, things are going to end. But, or even how yeah. he was hounded out of Arsenal, you know? I mean, it was it was relatively successful there in his first season, and, and sure, it wasn't great second season, but it was it was nowhere near sackable. And and look at him now; he's six points behind an Arsenal side that everyone's purring about, and spent a hundred million on a new midfielder in the summer, and. He it, to go back to your point about him him kind of not being chippy. He'd have every right at the moment to sit in a press conference and say, "Look, Arsenal made a mistake firing me. Look what I can do with with a hand tied behind my back and all these injuries. Aren't I brilliant?" He just doesn't do it. He just kind of gets yeah. some of his work and gets his head down. And he he's really humble and that's such a nice quality in a manager that brilliant because he is brilliant. And it, it's such a nice quality, especially in an era of the celebrity managers, where one who seems to be so uncomfortable in the limelight, that and yet still just does the right thing. It's it's lovely. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely, and certainly the uh, the exact opposite to the previous incumbent, <laughs> who we won't who we won't mention. But um, I mean, another sort of great start to the game. We're getting quite used to this at Villa Park this season, although. It has been a little bit, a little bit lean over the last um, few weeks, but kicking towards the halt end again, Dan. You know, I don't know whether they lost the toss or whether they won the toss and chose to to turn it round. But when, whenever that has happened, and it's happened more in the last two years than I've ever known it to happen, really. So they they seem to really start quick. It seems to really kind of get the energy in the ground going when they're kicking towards the halt end. Um, Leon Bailey was obviously on a mission from the word go. And it was, it was just a, you know, again, an, an, another example of, of that fast start and Forrest just couldn't live with, with Leon Bailey's pace and skill. It was an outrageous uh, bit of skill to, to, to kind of, um, you know, get him into the position where he could just, just lay the ball Across and I think he nutmegged the defender to get the ball through to um, to uh, Ollie Watkins, who just just tapped in at the at the far post. Um, I say it has been a fairly lean time, hasn't it? At home in December, really, and and since December, I should say. Um, I mean, how good to see Villa sort of flying out the traps like this again. Yeah, and we we said it on the pod last week that we we needed to make a fast start because because Forrest would sit in deep, and if we let them do that, then it's it's a tougher job for us. But I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed us just flying out of the traps like that and just absolutely going for the jugular. And it's I think you're right. It's it's weird, because normally we'll see them kicking towards the hole in the second half, but by that point, the game might already be lost, or it might be, you know, going in the wrong direction. Why not start, you know, kicking towards the best part of the ground, why not get a free goal lead before half-time and and set yourself up for... Well, I mean, look, it was harder than we thought it was going to be, but set yourself up for an easy afternoon. And it, it's, it's been a deliberate ploy, as you say. I think it started towards the end of last season, didn't it? He started doing it occasionally. Um, and I, again, it's, it's an example of smart management, whoever's come up with doing it, because, you know, the afternoon's work was done after half an hour at the weekend. And... And as a Villa fan, it's it's kind of how you want your Saturdays to go. I like a low stress Saturday where where the points are sewn up by half time. So, yeah, it's great, and and I love seeing us make these fast starts because because it shows there's still plenty in the tank for the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely. I think it felt like I mean it's four minutes in we scored, and it did feel like that was it. You know, yeah. we were, you know my my feeling in the ground was we're going to win this game now, and I think it's. You just get a sense with this Villa team when they're when they're on it. You know when they're caught, they're a little bit off the pace. They're a little bit unsure. They're toiling a bit. They're having to dig out a, a result, which they can do. You know they've proved that this season. They're perfectly capable of doing that. But this was an example of. You knew they were on. They were all on the same page, and they they. You know they were they were going for the jugular early on, and yeah, it, it felt fairly relaxed even with the the blip. And we'll talk about the blip in a, in a bit, but from this first goal, it felt like 
this is it. We're get you know we're we're going to win this game because we're going to score more goals than they are. You know, and that and that's that that's how it felt to me sitting in the stands. And I would just say as well, it's now fourteen league goals for Ollie Watkins. I think it's nineteen in all competitions. I just can't see him not scoring another six yeah. before the end of the set. I just can't. I can't envisage him only scoring five. I think he's unless he gets, you know, God forbid, and touch wood, <laughs> unless he does get get a knock. But he's he's surely going to get a six more goals. Oh, you hope goals. so. I mean, I think it's twenty four goal involvements now, which is equal with Mo Salah. I mean, that's the kind of that's the level he's at, and. And you were right to, to kind of praise Leon Bailey as, as Watkins did, as you know, as he celebrated when right for Bailey, who was phenomenal for that opening goal. Nutmeg two two defenders, put it on a plate for Watkins, and and his movement up until that, they they kind of um highlighted it on match of the day. And I thought it was a really good bit of analysis showing showing just how Bailey is constantly on the move and he's a nightmare to defend against now. I, I remember when he first came to Villaru's bit of a one-trick pony and get the ball when you've cut inside and try a few tricks, probably lose the ball and then fall over. It felt like that was the Leon Bailey way of doing things. And and it would occasionally work, but more often than not, he'd end up in a cul-de-sac and not do anything. But within four minutes there at the weekend, he'd, he'd come deep, he'd gone long, he'd, he'd gone inside, he'd gone outside. He, the ball is stuck to his feet and the pace he does things at is unbelievable. Um, and we're seeing absolute peak Leon Bailey now. And and again, talking about post-match uh, comments, he was praising the manager after the match, saying he, he's brought this out of him. He's he's demanded this work rate from him and this effort from him. And and yeah, it was, I thought that first goal was absolutely what our attack's all about. Is it, it, it was the structure working perfectly. And, and yeah, within four minutes, it was checkmate, it felt like. Yeah, definitely. It was a really great start. And, yeah, absolutely loving watching Leon Bailey play at the moment. He's just so, so entertaining, so exciting. Um, and, he, you know, he does hark back to, to players like Tony Daly and Dwight York and players like that who were so good to watch and so, so fast and so dangerous, clinical, you know, all these things... Um, you know, my, my references of players are always the nineties. Um, I'm sure there's been other players. I think Craig Craig said Ashley Young, didn't he, on the can, on the group chat? I was going to say I can see the <laughs> Ashley Young equivalents, just because Young could go either way, couldn't he, on the wing, albeit yeah. the other wing. And and I remember when Young was at the peak of his powers, he was unplayable, and he, he's one of those players you have to double up on, which we don't don't often see with Villa. Obviously, Grealish had that, but. But Bailey's fast becoming that unplayable winger that that and that's why Ollie Watkins is probably going to get those six goals you're talking about because everyone's going to be distracted by Leon Bailey. It's kind of the the classic Roper dope. It's like look over here at Leon Bailey, worry about Leon Bailey. Oh no, Ollie Watkins <laughs> is unmarked a yard from goal and it's an easy tap in. So it, it works perfectly that tactic. But, but I agree with you, Bailey, one of the best wingers that that I've seen at Villa in my lifetime and. Thankfully, we've tied him down to a long-term contract just at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hope he can keep the run going. Obviously, we know you know these these players can go in and out of form, and we've seen it with him, and we've seen it with with Diaby this season, and countless other other sort of sort of wingmen, I suppose. Uh, you know that type, that wide attacker. You know, it happens, you know, they run in and out of form at times and we just have to stick with him. I just love the fact he gets his head up as well and he's 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 always looking for the pass, isn't he? He's not just sort of, you know, he can be a bit selfish, but he backs himself at times and I don't mind that. But he will, you know, he's looking to get his head up and, and, and pick out a teammate as well, isn't he? And his goal as well, I think, is is prime example of a player whose head is switched on. And I think you're right, like, a, a lot of wingers seem to be crossing machines and they just get to the byline with the ball in. But he lays off some lovely passes. And I think uh, the one he played through for Cash later on in, in the game, where mm. which set up another goal, was a lovely bit of passing. It's playmaker-like passing. And then... Then yeah, for his own goal, he he follows the ball in when no one else is following it in, and, and takes the gamble that the keeper will spill it. So, 
He, he's absolutely on top of every aspect of his game at the moment. He's even tracking back a little bit, which I never thought I'd see. He's, he's defending too. So, yeah, I, I absolutely love watching him. And I, I've been a bit of a critic of his at, at points just because he, he's looked awful for us. And I was really excited when we signed him because so I'd seen a bit of him in the Bundesliga and we finally got the player we paid for and, and probably a bit more, actually. He's, he's a lot more than the £30 million we spent, I think, now. Yeah, yeah, I'd oh, absolutely, absolutely agree with that, and I think it will take a a huge fee now to to get him out of Villa. Um, considering like we, a lot of us would have quite happily seen him off for twenty five million yeah. or so, probably in the summer. Um, I think we'd be looking for for a considerable amount more than that um, now. Um, but the thing is, with with this team. <laughs> I was sort of thinking about this when I was walking away from the ground. I was thinking, like, who's the king now? Who's the king at, at Villa Park? You know, because we always have one, don't we? That's I thought it must be Leon Bailey, and then I said, but it's on. Surely it's Ollie Watkins, isn't it? <laughs> and I thought, well, no, it's it's Douglas Louise, isn't it? Douglas Louise is is the king, and he's he's scored two goals. Um, again, you know, it's by far his best goal scoring season for the club. Um, you know, the first was a, you know, a lovely sort of team goal. All eleven players involved at some stage during the move. Um, really well assisted by 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 Matty Cash, who got down the the right, picked out Ramsey, who had, who had made a, a brilliant run mm. into the middle off the left, and let Watkins kind of go to the back post. Sort of took a man away, and then he just he just turned and laid it laid it off. Really well for uh, for Douglas Louise, who 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 finished really well into the corner. Um, and the second, you know, a header. We, we don't see this from <laughs> from from Dougie. You know, right footed cross from McGinn, and and he just. I think it was Longley in front of him, um, who the ball went over his head, and and Louise was there to just tuck the header away, like he was, you know. You know, a, a, a top-class European centre forward. So, really, really great. But the evolution, of, I think, of Douglas Louise as a player has been absolutely remarkable. Um, always been talented. Always been very confident. Played in different positions. Perhaps has struggled to find his feet, and has obviously had difficulties with with, with Gerard and and so on. Um, but now it just feels like everything goes through him, and he demands everything goes through him as well. He's he's constantly um, being that kind of the, the the tempo setter, isn't he? In the team, you know, he you can you can see him now orchestrating the other players on the field, um, and it just feels like I saw, I'm seeing I'm seeing something now from from Louise. He's in control. He's not just the player in the team doing his thing. He's 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 the he's the main man. I think I feel like in the team, and maybe I'm late to the party with this, but I just I feel like I've seen this. So, I mean, is this is this Dougie's team? I think you're right. I think it's. I mean, you look what you want from a midfielder. You you want tackles, right? And I think he's got second most interceptions in the team. He does that dirty work. You want goals, and, and he's up to 11 now for the season. And, and you want someone who puts their foot on the ball and plays spectacular passes, which which we saw in the, the Sheffield United game. Some of the balls is pinging through to Ollie Watkins. Mm-hmm. But, but as you say, he orchestrates. He's the one who demands the ball all the time. He's, he's got that lovely kind of rolls his studs over it, like all the great playmakers do, and, and just stops the play occasionally and surveys what's in front of him. And, and he's a, a true world-class midfielder. So I think you're right. It is his team. He's the heartbeat of this team. There's, there's a lot of great pieces around him, but but when he's not there, it doesn't tick over quite the same. And I was actually thinking this at the weekend. I don't think there's a team in the league he wouldn't walk into. I don't think there's a single mm. team in the league that wouldn't benefit from him. And, and that puts his value at, I don't know what it is. It's north of 100 million and it's, and yeah, I mean, to think that the previous regime thought of selling him to Arsenal for a cut price uh, deal is beyond me because like every single player that we talk about, Emery has unlocked him. He, he's made Bailey better, he's made McGinn better, he's made Watkins better. 
But what he's done with Dougie Louise is is truly astounding. So he's created a proper world class talent, and I think that the Dougie Louise has the potential to go on and be that that iconic world player. You know, he, he's got the swagger about him. He's got the goals. He's got the passing. He's got the look of a famous player, if you know what I mean. Like they're they're always characters, and and with the Messi and Ronaldo era coming to an end, there's a gap there, and and maybe it's Dougie, <laughs> maybe it's Dougie's team, and. And thankfully, after this performance, the uh, the Villa social media admin was on form and went after Rio Ferdinand, which which only made it all that more delicious to to enjoy from home. Yeah, that was that was very good. That's I'm not going to try and describe describe what they did, but the TikTok they they put out, but it was it was it was very clever and you know all, all a bit of fun. I'm sure Rio, uh, if he's seen it, <laughs> will have enjoyed it as well. But yeah, it's um. He just he just has that feeling. There's something about and the reason I sort of settled on him as being the king is not that I don't necessarily think he's the best player or or um he's the favourite or anything like that. I just and we're not a team of of of, of individuals mm-hmm. now. You know, it's very important, I think, that that we don't um try to you know, put one player on a pedestal above the others because that's not how this this team operates anymore. They're very much all part of what what goes on on that on that field. I just feel he's got this connection with the supporters, with the whole end, which we we we're very used to seeing. You know, for for strikers, and obviously we we had that. You know, with with Jack Grealish, or even like. Centre halves, cent- yeah. you know, centre halves very popular, at, you know, at Villa over the years. But I can't remember too many sort of number eights where they were what you would call they were sort of the darling of the whole end, if you, if you know what I mean. But Dougie feels like that. He feels like he's got this this real bond with the with with the fans, you know, with the supporters in the ground and. Um, it's really great. He's got his fisherman celebration now as well, which is obviously every great player has to have a a, a unique celebration, don't they? And he's just got that something about you know that there's there is that just that kind of two way kind of connection I there, think- which is which is really really special. I was just thinking, like I'm trying to think of the players, but probably probably going back to sort of Gordon Cowan's would be. One that that had would have had a similar kind of bond with the fans. Taylor, maybe too. I suppose like Ian Taylor, Taylor yeah. probably Ian, there. Ian Taylor, yeah. I, I think what it is with Louise, and interesting you talking about it, just sparked in my head. He's he's almost lived the Aston Villa Premier League experience with us. He was we he he was there that first season. Bit of a random signing, didn't play well, but then came into his own as we raced to survival then kind of adapted in that lockdown season and became a different kind of player, gave us a lot of hope that he might be the talent we thought we were getting from, from Man City, then regressed under Gerrard like the rest of the team did, and then has just exploded into this thing. It's like, you know, like the kids and their Pokemon evolving. You get some weird little goldfish thing that suddenly becomes a dragon. And I feel like that's what Unai Emery's done here. He's taken this this weird little player that we didn't know if he was a defensive midfielder, an attacking midfielder, a box-to-box midfielder, and Emery's gone, yeah, he's going to be all three of them and that'll work <laughs> fine. And, and it's just, he, he seems as a player, I don't think there's another Villa player that encapsulates that roller coaster ride that we've been on in the Premier League since we came back up. And and I think that's why the fans love him, because he, he's gone through his own trials and tribulation and, and fans have kind of fallen in and out of love with him. But that only makes you kind of hold on to him all the dearer when times are good. So he's well on his way to kind of, not legend territory, but kind of fan favourite, cult icon territory, if he's not there already. And and I think, Ian, not that we're a selling club anymore, but I think there's going to be big teams looking at him because, as I say, I, I don't think there's a team in, in the Premier League and possibly Europe that he doesn't get into because I don't think there are many players like him in, in world football. Yeah, he's definitely got a very unique style and a very unique way way of playing the game. And it, you know, he's he's he is a, you know, he, he's a very classy operator, isn't he? And he can, you know, he can play a defensive role, but 
but it's almost a quiet defensive mm-hmm. role. You know, he wins the ball without you without you knowing almost. You know, he's not a a big tackler. You know, but he's but yeah. I mean, on the ball is 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 where it's at, and dictating the play, dictating the tempo, always being on on hand, always kind of available. You know, re- really, really, really great, and you know, so good to see him adding the goals, and you know, and. He will certainly be catching the eye. I wonder if that's another part of the, you know, where things weren't we weren't sure about him at first was we we knew about the buyback clause for Man City, so it was always that feeling that I will be going back there anyway, you know. And he may he may end up going back there at some point, but it, it will be on our terms now. And I think I think there's a different thing now. And he's he's I mean he's talked about how much he he, he loves playing at at Villa Park and loves the fans and the club and, and all this. So I just think it's, you know, he, he is, he has developed and he, it feels like, it feels like his team at the moment. It feels like he's, he's, he's the man, you know, he's the main man in in the middle there without the pedestal, you know, but he's, he's kind of dictating things. I don't know about you, but I think because of that journey he's been on, he, he almost feels homegrown, you know, like it's, it, we'd never seen him in the Premier League before. And, and he was a young lad when we bought him. And there's something about the fact that he's been on this journey. And obviously he's not, he's not come through the academy. He's, he, he's had the classic, you know, journey to the Premier League that, that foreign players seem to do these days. But but he does feel like a, a Villa player that we've developed, that we've grown, that we mm. that we produce. So he's got that feel, not quite of a Jacob Ramsey, but but he's getting there. And I think that shared history goes a long way to doing that. He's he's been at the club a fairly long time now, and and he's one of the elder statesmen in the team, bizarrely. Um, but yeah, I'm loving it. He captain, leader, legend, whatever we're going to go for, the old John Terry thing. It, he's well on his way to getting there. He really takes penalties, takes corners, takes free kicks. It wouldn't surprise me if he gets the armband at some point because he he's got that kind of fight and fire in his belly too. So, yeah, I'm I'm loving loving the doggy show. Yeah, I think he's second second in line, isn't he, captain wise at the moment behind McGinn, and they they make a great a great pairing in there as well. They I think do. They, they've played really well in the last two games together, and you know they know their roles, they know their jobs, and 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 they do they do it really well. Um, and of course we were. We were home and hosed, weren't we, Dan? At three uh, nil, um, you know, going into half time, <laughs> four minutes of, of injury time, and in the forty ninth minute, um, it suddenly it suddenly took a little bit of a turn as um, near Carte, uh, you know, got got in and, and and pulled one back for for Forrest from a from a corner. Looked a bit soft, really. Um, both goals slightly soft um of course you know Gibbs White scored another one for Forrest soon after half time um and we were we were you know a little bit on edge probably at that point um both goals you know really down to sort of failures in the offside trap with uh, Watkins and Cash probably at, at fault for those two Cash perhaps more so than Watkins on the on on the first one um, just not getting out quick enough. Um, it caused something of a a wobble in the defence and in the stands. I mean, how how close was this to to being a sensational turnaround for Forest? Um, and are, are we worried about these defensive lapses as we as we go into the running? Well, I mean, you'll know better than me because you're in the ground, but it felt worrying at home. I, I felt, oh no, here we go again. I think I'm just indoctrinated as a Villa fan to expect the worst. And and yeah, I thought the implosion was incoming, but this is a different Villa. This is different times. We we don't implode like that anymore. We just get on with the business and go and score a fourth. But I, as, as to how worried we should be, this is Villa's Achilles heel, right? The two ways we can see goals, set pieces, we've been awful all year. Only Burnley and Sheffield United have conceded more from corners than us, and they're both going down. Um, so despite all the praise that we've had for our innovative set pieces going forwards, we're, we're leaky at the back. And when we get the offside trap wrong, and, and boy, did Matty Cash get that offside trap wrong for the second goal. He was about three yards behind the line. But again, when you've juggled that back line around as much as we have, um, then that, that offside trap isn't going to work as fluidly as it does. So... 
uh, we'll concede more of these goals this year. We've conceded lots already this year. But it would be unfair if we didn't concede goals. If we if we still had the, the same defensive resolution as last year, we'd have won the league by now. So we've got to give the other teams a chance because, you know, we've got to have a floor in the side somewhere, Andy. Otherwise, <laughs> it's just cruel. That's it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If we if we'd had that defense from last season, who knows where we'd be now? But um, no, you you're right on the second one, and I'm 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 thinking of ways to be kind to our players rather than rather than trying to dig them out. I'm I'm my thing is my new thing is to try and try and think of ways to 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 think what what were they thinking when when they made that split second error. And in terms of Matty Cash, I just wonder whether he felt because he's obviously in this back four, back three position now. He's having to tuck in a little bit more defensively and make that back three. And I just wonder with with Chambers coming on, whether he's aware that Chambers might be a little bit slow off the mark, maybe, and just feeling his way into the game. Whether he just was a bit too eager to make sure he was there on the cover if the ball went through and got past Chambers. I wonder if it was just, and that was just enough to to mean he was just slightly delayed getting out. Um, so what you're saying is it was Callum Chambers' fault, not, not Matt Cash's. <laughs> no, I get your point, and I think you're bang on, Andy. It's, you're conscious that the guy next to you hasn't played much football and, and is pretty slow and, and, and you know, you're going to have to cover for him at times. And when you play... Uh, uh, our high line is so balanced that a fraction of a second slow making the, the decision looks like you're a mile behind the back line because everyone else has stood up and, and, and stepped up and you haven't. So, And I think that's the problem of chopping and changing the back line. It's almost got to be um, psychic, hasn't it? They've almost all got to step up mm. at the same time. And I always think of that old Arsenal back line who seem to, seem to just always step up in perfect unison with one hand in the air and and Villa were doing that earlier in the season. But but you know what it's like? The person next to you, you're not familiar with, so you second-guess yourself. So instead of automatically stepping up, as you say, you hesitate for a second or two and end up playing playing Gibbs-White on. So And and you know what? That, that's happening more often than not because we haven't had our first-choice back line out. And I don't know how many games it's been this year that we've not had our first-choice back line out, but it's probably been more than half of them. So... So I'm with you. I'm forgiving Matty Cash for not not stepping up when he when he could have done. And and look, it didn't matter at the end of the day either, thankfully. But it's um, it, it is the same. I think we'll concede more goals as as we go on the running because we just we've got strangers playing with each other, really. Yeah, I must say, I thought Matty Cash had a had an exceptional game though at the weekend. I thought he was really really good. You know, going going forward as well. But you know, excellent. Defensively, I was really pleased with with how he played, and I must say as well, the other thing I did notice around Callum Chambers was that there was a moment where they 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 defended something to quite well together. I can't remember the exact scenario, but there was a big kind of high five between Cash and Chambers, and it felt like the team were getting around Chambers a little bit and making sure he felt. He felt comfortable there, you know, which is exactly the kind of mentality you want, isn't it? To to make sure people feel part of the part of the group, and I'm sure he does anyway, you know, in the dressing room and so on. But you know, that was that was good to see that there was that that bond there, that camaraderie, um, and they were they were you know working working well together and. I thought I thought that was great, um, but in terms of in terms of how it felt in the ground, um, going back to going back to that, it was a bit tetchy, and they were good for a good few minutes. I think they had another chance. Forest had a had another chance. They got in and and and, and could have could have equalised. And I think if that had happened, who knows which which way it would have gone. But for myself, I just felt like i say with the first goal i just felt like they were we were going to score again we were going to score at least another goal so i didn't feel too concerned obviously it was annoying to concede two goals like that and give forest a little bit of a, a sniff but i actually felt it felt like it woke us up as well and uh, obviously we went on and 
and won the game. Tielemans hit the post as well, didn't he? he? Was, yeah. a, a really good bit of play by Moreno and cut the ball back and yeah, another day that that nestles nicely in the in the bottom corner. That that feels like the kind of luck Tielemans ha- is having. I think he's 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 playing well and he played well at the weekend, but those things aren't quite going for him how they perhaps did at Leicester at times. Um but he 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 definitely showed sort of some improvement and he played in that number 10 position I thought Dan. Yeah, definitely much better, much more mobile too. I kind of you know joked about his his lack of mobility on here but he he was much more at it and I thought it was quite physical, led our press well and I think he's actually a really nice foil for for the other players in the team when you've got Ramsey and Bailey either side of him who are both both pacey lads then um then I think he's a he's a good player to have in between them and played very well indeed. Yeah. And of course the other the other midfielder that we've not really discussed is um is Jacob Ramsey. Um there's a feeling probably over the last couple of games that he's he's looking quite sharp now and looking a bit more sort of back to his best, isn't he? Um like I said earlier, really clever run to the near post um to set up help set up um Douglas Louise's goal. Um, but just look really dangerous down that left-hand side. You know, can cut in and, and be the extra man in midfield. But when he when he gets into full flow, um, running down that flank, he really is dangerous. And looking at him, Bailey and Watkins as kind of a, you know, the 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 the, the pace men at, at the top of the pitch. I mean, you know, you can't. You can't allow Villa to break out, can you? Because they are just—they are just capable. The three of them of, of of killing teams. But I mean, obviously, as as Villa fans, we know how much we've missed Ramsey, like an inform Jacob Ramsey. But to what extent do you think he could almost be the surprise package for us for the running? Because he's almost the forgotten man. Yeah, he absolutely back to his best. Was superb at the weekend. The Jacob Ramsey we saw at the end of last season, really, and it's it's taken almost a full season for him to get back there. So, you know, it's the proverbial like a new signing because he's just not been at the races this year. But yeah, phenomenal at the weekend. Wonderful, wonderful player. So exciting to see when he's in that kind of mood, and and I'm I'm really looking forward to the the Moreno Ramsey double act on the left for the the last twelve games of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Although uh, Moreno, I don't know if he picked up a bit of a knock as well. He went off and and Dean came on, but I was I was delighted to see Luca Dean come on because yeah. I think yeah, he's been great this player, season. Is it, to bring back on. <laughs> yeah, very happy with that. And he, you know, he he had a he had a, a decent impact as well. Um, uh, always always a danger with his with his delivery. But yeah, just great to see see Ramsey back in full flight and looking confident again and. Can't wait for him to start start banging in a few goals for us, and uh, yeah, I, th- I just feel like maybe um, he's he's yeah he's he's another he's an addition to the team, isn't he? Now feels like um, an extra weapon that we have, um, and hopefully he can stay fit, like saying, you know, be be flying really. He's just got a he's just got a sprint to the finish, hasn't he, for us and. Uh, you know, and get us get us over the line. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I yeah. agree, and I think he's he's at his most valuable in games like this one and the Luton game at the weekend. Because when you run at teams like that, and, and you run at that kind of low block and defensive team, that's when you unlock them. And and it, it, it shades of some of our best dribblers at Villa. Only the pace turned up to eleven. I, I don't think I've seen someone carry the ball as quickly as he does. So. Yeah, it's exciting times, and I I think he'll play a big role in, in us for the end of the season. Yeah, it feels like he's growing as well. Yeah, it does. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a he's you know I just remember him obviously when he made his debut years ago and uh, in the championship. Um, never realised he, he never struck me as being a big lad, but he's he's, he's he must be six foot plus now. Yeah, he's a proper um, strapping lad, isn't he? It's, yeah. Um, you don't always associate him with being that fast, do you? But he's he's lightning quick too. Yeah, I think, uh, I, you know, and maybe if he has a run, he might he might um, be in the in the picture for Southgate as well, depending on um, for the for the Euros, depending on on how he does towards the end of the season, because he must have been close um, 
before he got injured. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but you mentioned it there, big, big, another big game Saturday. They're all going to be big games now. Villa head to Bedfordshire to aiming to make it three wins in a row against Luton Town, who have really been the one of the surprises of the season um, and are proving to be really difficult to beat at, at Kenilworth Road. Rob Edwards um, has won a lot of fans, hasn't he, this season? Um, really, really done a great job with that group of players and has managed to reinvent uh, Villa alumni, Ross Barkley as well, into a sort of a sitting midfielder. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's playing really, really well uh, this season, Barkley. Um, and of course, you know, he's, he's the club is kind of galvanised and Rob Edwards has been part of that around the, the sort of health issues around sort of captain Tom Lockyer, which, you know, must have been, you know, an awful experience for for everyone really, you know, seeing seeing the teammate go through that. Um, glad that he's he seems to be doing well and he's, he's, he's healthy again. Um, but it, that's, that was really a, a sort of galvanising force, I think, for the for, for Luton, um, which has which has contributed to their, you know, their run of success, um, such as it is. Um, comfortable three one win in the game at Villa Park this season, but but Luton have really come on a lot since then and will be a, a different beast at home. I think Emery he'll be hoping to have Pau Torres available, um, but obviously Chambers will be. Ready to step in, I'm sure, if if needed, and we're sort of waiting on the return of Esri Konza. One or two little whispers that he's not not too far away. So hopefully that's true, um, and he won't be he won't be too long away um, from returning. Five thirty kickoff on Sky Sports. I feel like uh, they Sky Sports smell blood <laughs> in the water <laughs> with that with that one, um, and it will undoubtedly be a, a fierce atmosphere at, at, at Kenilworth Road. Um, how do Villa avoid the slip-up in this one? Oh, get the early goal again. That's the way to do it. Quiet down the Kenny and, and, and score early. But it'll be about, for Emery, it'll be about maintaining control. They're, they're lethal on the break at uh, Luton. They're, I've got a soft spot for them this year. They've been been fun to watch. But yeah, but yeah get the early goal and just keep hold of the ball is the solution. It's a really big weekend for Villa, though. We, we're playing Luton. United are away at City, which is a game that you can see them slipping up in and, and win here and United lose. And that gap to, gap to sixth is even bigger. So, um, so yeah, a big, big weekend for Villa. And let's not forget, we've got Tottenham next week as well afterwards. So, <laughs> so this could be a crunch, game, crunch time in our season and, and we can't, can't slip up now. But these are the games, these are the games that the old Villa... I'd have been nervous about, but the new improved Emery 2.0 Villa, I expect us to dominate the ball and dominate the game. I'd like Ezri Kunsa to be back. I feel like it's a game he could he could flourish in, but more than anything, I want to see I want to see Powell lining up because as we know, yeah. no Powell, no party. Well, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, I was just um, just had a little flashback there to the, the 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 last time we played Luton at Kenilworth Road. Can you remember that? I can't remember that actually. Yeah. Robert, that Roberto the... Di Matteo in oh. the first first season after relegation, we went there in the must have been the first round of the oh, of the of the League it. Cup. Yeah, and lost lost three one. <laughs> I think we had Mika Richards and Yorez Acore <laughs> at, at centre half. Um, yeah. I'm sure that was the case, and yeah, terrible, terrible night for Villa. Great night, and I'm sure they were they were probably in League Two at the time. They were, so yeah. I mean, that just shows the. I mean, we think we've come a long way in a few years, but Luton have uh, they're on a different level. They've really, really uh, exceeded everything. It's an incredible story, and like you, I, I I just watch. I look out for them every week, and I want them to win every week. I want them to to do it I want them to stay up and um uh you know it would be great and obviously Rob Edwards is 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 ex Villa as well um you know the camber's still there he hasn't yeah. played for a while though has he um so it'd be you know it would be nice to see them see them stay up but I'm hoping they don't uh, they don't take any steps towards that this this week of course they you know that they, 
they're affected a little bit by the the, the news today that, that Everton have had their uh, their FFP punishment reduced from ten to to six points. So that's taken Everton a little bit away from the relegation zone and and uh, put Luton back in trouble really. So. Um, you know they'll be they'll be looking to react to that as well. So it's it's um, it'd be an interesting one. Um, like you, I just think get that early goal and, and and try and control the game and dictate the play. Um, but if they score first, it could be a really long evening for us. Um, so so hopefully that's that's not the case. Um, prediction for this one? Uh, I think a tighter one, two one Villa. I think. I mean. You know, one of those games will be 2-0 up for most of the game and concede late on, and it will be a nervy five minutes before the final whistle. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go for... Uh, I'm I'm going to go... I'm going to go 1-0. 1-0 Villa. I, th- I just feel it's going to... Yeah. Maybe a maybe first half goal, but we'll hang on and we'll we'll win 1-0. And uh, I think I think that'll be, that'll be that. And... More than happy to take that as well. <laughs> so let's hope that's the case. Um, but yeah, that's that's all we've got time for today, Dan. Thanks for thanks for joining for this one again. Great to uh, great to discuss such a such a big win as well. Um, and thanks to everyone for for listening and for your continued support. Obviously, check out all the all the all the socials. Follow um, Villa Lamp under a gaslit lamp. Um, on all the social networks so we can uh, you can keep abreast of everything we're doing in terms of the shows and any articles that that come out um we'll be back next week to uh to talk about hopefully the win at Luton and look ahead to the Tottenham game and of course the uh the um the, the conference league against against Ajax as well so um busy time coming up for the club and Maybe look out for Gather Round again with Craig. He might uh, be reprising the the YouTube channel for 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 that for the Ajax uh, tie. So look out for that as well. Um, but until then, stay safe and up the villa. <laughs>